So um, we never know when we're putting together these seminars how many people are going to come. Um, but I like to think of us as the elite, the ones that have chosen to be here. So thank you for that. Um, and I hope that you will forgive us when we ask for a little bit of conversation and feedback later on. Hopefully we'll be able to have a bit of a discussion and get some of your thoughts. And um, we think a topic like this, well, that sounds a bit louder. That's great. Thank you. Um, a topic like this really lends itself to discussion and to hearing about your experiences and that sort of thing. So please get involved in that a bit later on. Um, we're looking forward to exploring this topic around working together. Um, you, my name is Ruth Cook and I work for International Justice Mission, um, the world's largest anti-slavery organisation. Hopefully you've heard a little bit about us uh, this week through some of the videos and things on main stage. We'll just wait for the applause to die down. I think it's for me. but um, And then I'll just let the rest of the panel introduce. Do you want to introduce yourselves and uh, why you're here? Go ahead. Uh, my name is Reverend Bill Boyce. Um, I'm the rector of St. Bridget's Parish in Glen Gormley. And we've had a long-standing mission partnership with the church in Nepal. Uh, I'll tell you more about that later. And down through the years, um, 10 parishioners have gone out on mission trips to Nepal because of that connection. Yes, and I'm Jenny Smith, and I work for the Church Mission Society Ireland, CMS Ireland. Um, and we work largely with the Anglican Church, but not exclusively, and are involved in linking churches here with churches in other parts of the world and facilitating those partnership links. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Valerie Gibson, and I work for Crosslinks Mission Society. Um, and um, at the, we would send people on short-term and long-term mission, um, individuals, couples, and families, and um, we would then help those um, individuals then develop a partnership team. Um, so partnership is at the very heart um, of our work with Crosslinks. So looking forward to exploring it um, more today. Great, thank you. So why are we here? What's the idea for the seminar? Um, well, I work, obviously I work for IJM. Um, we're committed to uh, thinking about uh, how God is a God of justice and what that means. And so there's a lot of talking to churches, talking to church leaders about that. Um, and, and, that and there's a lot of really positive in that. But over the years, um, hi there. Thanks for joining the elite. <laughs> um, you're really welcome. Um, and but over the years, then I also noticed that there can be a bit of a tension sometimes as well, and that's the tension that we described in the blurb in the program. The idea that um, mission organisations can feel that churches don't get what we're trying to do, or churches might feel there are so many organisations they just want our money, and there's maybe some frustrations on both sides. And I wonder if that feels familiar to you. Um, uh, is that why you came here? And so we wanted to bring together some people with lots of experience um, who could think this through and, and share some of the really positive things about being in partnership together. So we're going to start by looking um, at God's word and what uh, the Bible has to say. Always a good idea. Um, and we're going to have a think about practically what different models of partnership are there. We're going to think about what healthy partnership looks like. And we'll think about some of the challenges as well that we can face and why, if we have a model of healthy partnership, why does that not always work out? And then we'll think about some practical steps at the end. So um, I'm going to hand over to Valerie to um, uh, help us to look at what the Bible has to say. 
Perfect, thank you. Um, so hopefully on your seats you have received a handout. Um, if you could just have a wee look for that now. So um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, like Ruth said, um, we want to start with what the Bible says um, about partnership. And just over the next five or ten minutes, we want to lay a really good foundation um, of, of what, um, what does God's word say about gospel partnerships. Um, and hopefully um, your handout will drill out the different strands. Um, there's probably many, many more different strands, but these are just five. Um, looking at Paul's relationship with the Philippian church. So hopefully um, it'll draw out some really beautiful um, things for all of you. Um, so just to get us started um, on your own or with the person beside you, um, if you're happy, um, just to work through that sheet quickly. Um, that'll help you lay a good foundation um, just for what is to come in the seminar. So we'll just give you a few moments um, just to work through that on your own or with the person beside you. Thank you. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are on the screen and I'll go on to the, I'll kind of flick back and forward between the two slides. Okay, um, we'll come back together as a group if that's okay. Um, and I hope you found it useful just to work on your own or work with the person beside you. Um, and just to open the Bible and just see what God's word says about partnership. Um, so hopefully you did find that helpful and um, to lay like a foundation um, just for the rest of the seminar. So we'll just go through them pretty quickly. Um, and now is the time for, for some audience participation. Um, so don't be shy. Um, feel able just to chip in and we're, we're not scary at all. So um Please feel able to chip in, that'd be great. So the first one, um, we're looking at from Philippians 1 verse 4. And it says, I'm just going to read this first because I think it's sort of at the heart of the book of Philippians. It says, um, Paul is speaking and he's saying, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And this is where you clearly get the idea of partnership in the gospel. We really, our desire is for you to see that it's not something that we have made up that is actually grounded in the Bible. So um, partnership in dot, dot, dot. What did you say? Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, partnership in prayer. Um, that is the first one. And isn't it so easy to pass over this one? Um, it's so easy just not to give it much thought at all um, because we're all commanded to pray. Um, but it really is fundamental and foundational um, for every aspect of our Christian life, but especially for um, when we're in partnership with God's um, workers around the world. Um, and prayer is God's means of overcoming time and space. Somebody could be in, your, in other parts of Europe or Africa and Asia, and you're drawn closer to them by praying for them. Um, and today, with so much technology, it's just so much easier um, to be well-informed um, within our different partnerships and to be able to pray um, intelligently and um, authentically and real for people around the world. So let's not underestimate the importance of prayer. Um, the Lord has commanded us to pray, and it's a privilege to be able to bring everything to the Lord of heaven and earth. So it's my first P of today, um, partnership is prayer-centered. Moving on now to the second one, um, it may be a little trickier. I'm not going to read it out because there's a couple more verses um, from Philippians 1, verses 6 to 8. Um, but what did people, um, just feel able to chip in, um, what did people um, think about during this, this one here? Hopefully you got to the second one. 
Grace. Yeah, you could say grace. Yeah, grace is part of it. Um, thank you very much. And any, anything else? There's many different things here that we could draw out. Anyone else with any other ideas? Good works, yeah. Um, partakers with me of grace. I see the grace and the good works. Yeah, that he who began a good work in you. That's right. And um, so I put down here, those are, those are right from the verse as well. So I have put down partnership in care um, for this one. And it's another P, so partnership is people-centered. Um, Paul developed a real relationship um, with people. Um, he didn't keep people at arm's length. And, and that's what gospel partnership is really like. Um, a real relationship with mission societies, a real relationship with global partners around the world, um, characterized by care and affection. Um, and and it, it is essential that the relationships are built and consolidated at every stage of a partnership, um, especially but not exclusively at the start. Um, and it can be easy to develop a partnership at the start, especially if it's somebody in your church or somebody that you know. Um, but over time, maybe that can fade a little bit. Um, so it's just keeping that care consistent um, throughout the partnership. Um, and it does take time, like any relationship. Um, any re- all relationships take care and attention. And our global partners are no different. Um, And one practical thing that I've recorded here is that maybe you or your church could go and visit your global partners, um, maybe on short-term and long-term mission. Um, There's nothing really better um, than actually seeing firsthand um, what your global partners are up to and being able to walk through a day with them. Um, It's just an amazing experience and and just really builds that um, people-centered partnership. So moving on now to the third one. Um, hopefully you're all still with me and I haven't lost you Um, it's from Philippians 4 verses 14 to 15 Um, hopefully you've had your Bible or you can see it on the screen Um, so what did you write down um, for this one? tradition? provision, yeah that's brilliant Um, yeah Provision in the sense of, I've written down financial provision mainly, um, but yeah, provision is great at covering it as an umbrella title. So partnership in money. Um, and again, I've got another P. Um, I've got down um, penny or pound centered. Um, so, um, and there is a common perception that parachurch organizations are after your money. Um, but partnerships really do need money, and we should never be ashamed of talking about that. Um, and um, I guess we should all um, put our money where our mouth is. And by that I mean that if we talk about being in partnership, it will be evidenced in our giving and in our pledges, not only in our prayers and in our relationships. Um, this does obviously depend on your life stage. Um, maybe you're a student, maybe you're not working, um, maybe your church funds are not um, possible, but um, hopefully there's some money somewhere um, to give to gospel partners, part- partnership. Um, and I think partnership, this aspect of partnership is essential, um, and it is marked by generosity, um, and it is a long-term commitment. Um, there is a lot to be said for being stirred give, to give up, to give one-off gifts, um, but generally speaking, um, mission societies' work is long-term, and um, therefore work needs long-term sustainability and long-term financial commitments. Um, 
So there you go. So moving on now to the last one, the last two, and these may be a bit more trickier. I couldn't find two P's for these, so there's no P's. You'll maybe be glad about that. Um, So moving on to the fourth one now, and it's from the book of Philippians again, Philippians 1, verse 27 to 28. Hopefully that's on the screen. Again, um, what, what were your thoughts about this here? One of the spirits? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I did write that down as well, that they're standing firm together. Um, so they may be separated. I just find this quite um, amazing that generally speaking, we are separated by our global partners by time and space. Um, but we are standing firm together in one spirit, in one mind and one gospel. Um, so that is that is amazing. And really, the, the, the partnership here is partnership in ministry. Um, our global partners are not a special brand of Christians. Um, we're all believers in Christ. We believe the same gospel um, of the same spirit. And the ministry they're involved in, to some degree, we are involved in in this country as well. Um, be it mission here or be it mission out there. Um, so I think verse 27 is key. If you have a little look at that, um, Paul draws out talking, stri- striving side by side. Isn't that lovely language of gospel partnerships? Side by side. It's not one way. It's both ways. Um, for the faith of the gospel, it was Paul and the Philippian church. Um, take out one of those and you don't have um, a partnership. They're proclaiming and contending for the same gospel, um, looking together straight ahead, um, involved in the same ministry. And and what a picture that is of God um, building his church locally and globally through gospel partnerships. And how amazing that we can play our part in that as well. Um, So moving on now to the final one, Um, hopefully you're still with me, everyone looks still to be with me, so that's good. Um, We're just still laying the biblical foundation of partnership um, for what is to come. So um, partnership, this is from Philippians 3 verse 10, I'll just finish, I'll I'll read that verse as well. Um, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death. so what do you think this is seeking to draw out about partnership? Suffering, yeah, that is one strand. Thank you very much. And um, I just characterized it all by partnership and discipleship. Um, it's similar to the fourth aspect of partnership, that we're all disciples of Jesus Christ. And um, um, this, this verse draws out two things those in partnership have in common. Um, we have a lot in common. We are following the same Lord. This verse tells us, and we are also suffering, um, as the gentleman said, for the same cause. Um, and the verse says, may share his suffering. Um, so we have more in common, um, more that unites us, that divides us, um, and more that draws us together in partnership um, than distance and time can take away from us. Um, so hopefully you found that exercise helpful. Um, and that those five different strands of gospel partnership hopefully will lay a good foundation um, for what is to come. So I think I'm going to hand over to Jenny now, who's going to outline some models of gospel partnership. Thank you. So I decided I'd go flannel graph on you <laughs> instead of PowerPoint. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, so we thought it might be helpful to have a look at partnership in terms of the elements of, of who's involved in these partnerships. Um, and how they relate one to another. 
So one of the things that always astonishes me is that in this difficult and trying and messed up kind of world that we live in, God has chosen us, us his followers, to be the bringers of change and transformation, to bring the good news to our neighbors. And when we're all together, he calls us church. So obviously, church is one element of this this partnership. So we'll put church there. Now that church looks very different in very different contexts. As we know, there are many different denominations. There's many different church groupings. And particularly when we think of church globally, it can look very different again. But we're all one in Christ Jesus, as we have just been looking at in in that Philippians passage. He's called us, he's commissioned us to be those change makers. And I think all of us would agree that mission happens on my doorstep. And that's a lot of what we've been hearing in the, all the, the seminars and talks that we've had this, this week so far, that we are the people who need to talk to our neighbors, to reach out to our friends, to be those missional people in our communities. So mission is always local. It's local for us here, but it's also local for our partners elsewhere except for one thing, and that's where parts of the world have never heard the gospel. So that brings in a slightly different dynamic. So for a place where there is no local church, our job is to go out to those places with the good news of Jesus. But where there is a local church, and there is local church in many, many, many parts of the world, our mission is to support and work with local church, whatever that looks like, wherever it is, even if it's not my denomination, as it were. So that one represents local church, wherever it might be, or it might be mission partners whom we support who go out to bring uh, the gospel to unevangelized places. Or it might be mission partners that we support who are working with local church in the other place. And sometimes it's people that we support as an agency, perhaps, who work on a particular issue in another part of the world. And that would relate perhaps more to somewhere, uh, an organization like IJM, who, who are justice-focused, working on specific issues. And at the moment, as, as Ruth has said, that's slavery. Perhaps for Crosslinks, that other part, that person, that element that we are in partnership with would be people, the missionaries who've been sent out long-term or short-term teams going out to work with, with churches in other places. And then somewhere in this relationship, we have the agency. Now, the agency, how that is placed will vary depending on how that particular agency works, what the particular church is like this end, and what the particular global partner, we will call all those things the other end, the global partner, whether that's the people we work with who are involved in a particular issue locally somewhere else, whether it's that local church or mission partners who, who've gone out. And, and where that agency sits is, is quite um, important in terms of, of, of how we view what a partnership is like and also how it functions. So sometimes, and more traditionally, I think that agency has sat in the middle somewhere where the church is asking the agency to almost do mission on their behalf somewhere else and the flow can be very much one way but increasingly so I think the agencies are seeing themselves as people who facilitate mission in churches recognizing that 
this church here is responsible for mission in its own area. It's also linked to somewhere else, which is part of the body of Christ. Often we think of that picture of the body of Christ as being within our own local congregation. But actually, the body of Christ is also something that operates globally. And we need one another globally, just as we need one another within our local congregations. So the idea that these people give their money to the agency to do mission is really not a terribly helpful model, we all feel. I think we would all agree with that. But we would love to see these relationships as being ones that work two-way. That there's a two-way relationship there, that there's a two-way relationship across here. I'll put these up. And that there would also be a relationship between the agency and the global partner. But you'll notice on there that the arrows are different sizes. So sometimes the, the flow of the relationship is more in one direction than perhaps in the other. So maybe there's a lot of flow going this way, but not much coming back. Now, we've uh, prepared a sheet for you that you'll, you'll get at the end to help you think through what that model looks like from your own experience within your own local church. If you've been involved in global mission of some sort, you know, how would you put those three elements? How would you represent them in terms of your experience of being involved with an agency and with a global partner somewhere else? For some, for some churches, you'll find that none of this part is there. That there's not an agency involved. Perhaps it's a very direct link your church has with a church in another part of the world. And in that case, you can think about, you know, is the flow equal? Is there equal amount of flow the other way? Is there an equal amount of learning from your global partner church as the flow that way, if you see what I mean? And I think that's quite a helpful way to try and try and think of it. Thank you, Ruth. Who said flannel flannel graph is dead? Apparently, it's still really useful. Brilliant. Thanks, Jenny. Um, So we've had a think about um, uh, what the Bible has to say. And I was thinking there, as Val was talking, that that exercise from Philippians, if you know, that is actually something really practical that you could do in your church or in small groups to have a look at that. If you're thinking about these issues and you want to help your church consider them, that's quite a practical um, tool to use. And then we've heard there about different models. And whenever you were showing us that the other week, Jenny, there was so many different ways around that that those models could look um, and with lots of positive aspects to them. So it's a good exercise there to consider how that works for your church. Um, So we're going to have a little bit um, of time to hear from Reverend Boyce or Bill, um, uh, because Obviously, there's different perspectives on this, and we want to hear uh, from a church perspective, not just mission agency perspective. And I'd love you to share with us um, how you have seen healthy partnerships work out um, in your context, in Bridget Singer and Gormley, and specifically as part of that, what have been the benefits for your congregation of partnering with another church? Thanks, Ruth. Um, when I became rector of St. Bridget's um, around about 12 years ago, uh, there already was a, a link with uh, a church in Nepal uh, because uh, a pair of missionaries from just down the road from Glengormley had been out on long-term mission out in Nepal and they were friendly with people in our, congreg- in our congregation. So whenever I arrived as rector, the link was already there. Uh, so I thought, right, we're just going to go with this. And subsequently in 2009, I, I went out on my first trip out to Nepal 
And just to give you, you some context, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story to give you uh, some sort of idea of how it worked uh, for, for our parish. Uh, when I went out in 2009, uh, my first wife was terminally ill at the time and insisted that I go out to Nepal out to, to visit the mission partners out there. So uh, it was with a slightly heavy heart that I went out, but I knew that God was calling me to go out there. So I, I, I went and uh, was completely bowled over by the reception that I received. But the main thing uh, that happened was we, we went out and we had this mindset that we were going out to do stuff for people. You know the way you, you have that idea that mission is about going out and doing stuff, you know, right? We want to paint this, and we want to fix that, and we want to build that. And and the main struggle that our partner church had was trying to say to us, "Listen, yes, you can do stuff, but we're just happy that you're here with us." And the most humbling aspect of that was we, we all got together for our farewells, and we were sitting in the the old church building. And the pastor, uh, BK, I'll call him, he uh, said to us, uh, we're so pleased that you've come to visit us, but now we would like to commission you to go home. And that was a, a wonderful thing because so often we think we're being commissioned to go out on mission, but with them being the local church, they recognize that we have our own mission. As Jenny was saying, we have our own mission on our own doorstep, so they commissioned us to go back and be salt and light in our, uh, our own context, which was an amazing thing. And from that point on, the, the, uh, the relationship between our two churches began to grow and develop uh, and blossom in a really organic sort of a way. So when I went back from my second trip in 2011, I was remarried. Uh, my wife sitting down on the back row. Uh, she didn't come out that time, but the first thing they said to me when they met me off the plane was, when is Eleanor coming out? So I gave them the answer that Eleanor gave to me. If I'm going to go to Nepal, God will have to speak to me, and they will have to pray very hard. In 2015, Eleanor came out to Nepal because they prayed very, very hard. And it took me to the, you know the passage in Romans 12? where it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's what our partnership means. They rejoiced with me when I remarried. They mourned with me when my first wife died. And to know that uh, our mission partners were supporting me in prayer right through that whole painful episode and yet rejoicing with me uh, when I remarried. And it's interesting that, that um, Val picked uh, Philippians because when we came back, we came back with a great big banner. Uh, BK is paraplegic and he, he does a lot of batik work. So he made us a banner and it said, I thank God every time I think of you because of your partnership in the gospel. And that uh, really couches everything that we do with our partner church. Uh, they... When they go through tough times, uh, the second time we went out, uh, about eight weeks after we went out, the massive earthquake hit uh, Nepal and devastation. But the amazing thing was that 
the church were able to take people in who had nothing. And we were able to support them in that. And just one, one other story, uh, just to, to wind things up. The first time we went out, uh, there was a man came out with us and he said, I'll do anything you want me to do, anything at all, but I will not go to the leprosy colony because I'm, I'm terrified. I, I just can't do it. And on the day that we were going to the little church out in the leprosy colony, um, we sat and we prayed with Edwin because he was going to stay behind uh, and, and pray for us when we went. And somehow he found himself on the minibus. And he got there and, and God really spoke very clearly to him. And from that day on, he had a passion for that leprosy colony to such an extent that um, in our annual tithe as a church, we give to CMS Ireland. And half of that always has to go to the leprosy colony. And just recently, uh, Edwin passed away and his, his widow visited uh, Nepal and one of the main things she did was she went to the leprosy colony and had a banquet for them with some money that Edwin had set aside so that that is what it means to us as a church and we, we always make sure that we work through CMS Ireland because it gives a good context and they facilitate things so well for us and all I can say is it's been such a blessing to our church uh, to have people on the other side of the world the first time I met BK uh, there was an instant connection there I didn't know what I was going to but as soon as I saw his face there was there was this connection that it's indefinable you just can't you can't legislate for things like this but we bonded um, and we knew that we, we were brothers uh, straight away and that has shaped and defined uh, the the partnership that we've had down through the years a partnership that continues uh, we're planning another trip next year so thank you very much thank you so much for sharing that I think what comes through is well there's the long term nature of the partnership you've been partnering together for was it 11 years did you, 10 years and they also the other, other thing that strikes me is the fact that there's such real love and affection um, but in, on both sides um, and it's two way they want to encourage you just as much as you want to encourage them I have a, a friend in Cambodia um, who leads a project that my church supports and so we Skype every so often and in that Skype call um, she sometimes asks me how I am and what she could pray for and I'm like no this, we're talking about you you know what is it that you need and we have this idea that we are the givers and that person just receives but actually they often want it obviously want it to be two ways so thank you for that I want you to have a little think about um, the positive experiences that you have of partnership um, in your church um, with whether it's with organisations or uh, churches around the world um, if you want to share um any of those aspects we'd love to hear them yeah sure yeah if you want to come and use the mic that would be brilliant this is Eleanor I think so. yes I, I'm <laughs> Bill's wife um, when I went out to um, Nepal I thought what can I do and, and it is all about what can you do and um, the son of the pastor just said we just want you there that's all we love bill 
we want to, to get to know you, we just want you there. And our church hasn't got a lot of money. Um, the, the church in Nepal gets a lot of its money from Canada, but they just want our friendship, and that is simply all, all they're looking for from us. And, and it really is very real. Thanks so much. That's great. Thank you. Um, Portia Baptist, we had, we had the privilege of receiving a, a young Chinese student, uh, befriending him through international friends. He then came to a Good Friday service, uh, was challenged with the gospel, decided he wanted to do an Alpha course, did the Alpha course, and halfway through the Alpha course gave his life to God. I met with him every Friday then uh, for probably seven years, and he now is pastoring a, a Chinese church in Exeter. And so it's just been a, a just a tremendous partnership in seeing him come to faith and then us be able to disciple him and then send him, send him out. That's a brilliant story. Thank you so much. That's great. Can I just add yeah, one thing here? There's, there's a word which is incredibly overused, I feel, at the moment, and that's the word respect. But actually, I think that's a key in our partnerships, that we need to respect the partners with whom we work and not make a whole load of assumptions that because we're rich and they're poor very often and and because we have a lot of in-depth Bible teaching and and they very often don't, they're very often pastored by people who have very, very little formal theological training, that, that there's somehow a sort of paternalism that can creep in. But we need to respect each other's ministry. God has called that church to that place. He has ordained leaders within that church set up. And they are responsible for mission in their area. We're not responsible for that. Where there is church there, that is the body of believers that God has commissioned for that place. And yes, let's work in partnership with them, but let it be a partnership where there is that mutual learning and respect and not one where we feel there's all these things we need to do for them. And it's really hard to get out of that as a sort of Western-minded person. It really is. Uh, can I just read you a quick quote here from um, the Archbishop who's just retired now from, from South Sudan? I went to visit him, and we're talking about how CMS Ireland partners with the church in South Sudan. And he said, yes, he said, partnership should not be about material things. Firstly, its purpose is to strengthen our faith mutually for the goodness of the kingdom of God. Secondly, it is so that we can pray for one another. And thirdly, if God blesses you, those are the things we can share. That's skills, money, finance, whatever. Thank you, Jenny. That's a brilliant reminder. Thank you so much. And it kind of takes us into our next uh, section really nicely. Um, we, we've thought about um, what the Bible has to say. We've thought about what models can look like. We've thought about um, the positive aspects of partnership. But we, we all know that it doesn't always look that way, that sometimes there can be frustrations, um, there can be difficulties and challenges. And so we thought that we would uh, be upfront and open about that. And so do you have a think about what you have faced what challenges have you faced in your church over the years? Um, but we're going to share some of the things that we have seen. So I don't know, Val, if you want to go first. Um, yeah, when I was thinking about the challenges um, for this seminar, I was thinking about um, out of sight, out of mind. 
um, relationships maybe with your family and friends in this country sometimes can be hard to maintain at times. Um, never mind relationships that are just thousands of miles away. Um, and with all the good intentions in the world, um, we can start off really, really well. We can commission people to go to parts of Europe or parts of Africa or Asia, send them on their way, um, good intentions, going to pray for you, give, um, maybe go and see you. Um, but as time goes on, um, that and the busyness of life, um, um, really maybe good things in our own life, working and family and everything else just can crowd in um, and we can maybe forget about that um, um, gospel global partnership. So out of sight, out of mind, I think is one of the challenges um, and I think it's, it's a real challenge and especially maybe we're um, really advocating long-term gospel partnerships. So as time goes on, it can be harder maybe to maintain that relationship. So it's maybe thinking about how can you keep that relationship fresh? Maybe if you're supporting them individually, um, if they're back in this country, if you maybe can't um, go over to see them, just making the effort to meet up with them for a cup of coffee. Um, or if your church um, does support um, mission partners or um, that they come to visit your church when they're back home, um, that you really do contact the Mission Society and make sure that your church um, get to see um, your mission partners when they're back home. And um, just the importance of praying as well. I think just prayer um, does bring us closer to our global partners. Uh, we remember them in prayer and um, just trying to keep that relationship as fresh as we can. Um, and um, just with today's technology, with Skype, um, there's just so many ways we can see each other. Um, maybe not necessarily face-to-face, but just over our computer. Um, and just maybe um, if there's a family, just thinking about maybe in your church setting, um, maybe the Sunday school or children's groups, how maybe they can keep in contact with the children of Mission Partners. Um, because often they can be quite lonely and forgotten about. Um, sometimes we focus more on the adults and their ministry, which is right. Um, but it's just remembering um, the children and how to just connect them as well um, and just to remember them. So out of sight, out of mind and keeping the partnership fresh, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Jenny or Bill, do you want to share? I have three things written down here. Eating, greeting and marriage. Uh, cultural issues sometimes can be interesting. Uh, one of the things I learned uh, when you go out to Nepal, don't eat with your left hand because your left hand is used for other things and your right hand is used for clean things. So we learned that not to use our left hand. Even people who were left-handed on our team had to use their right hand. Uh, so cultural things like that. Um, greetings. Um, we learned that Christians in Nepal greet each other in a particular way. Uh, anybody know how you say greetings normally to a Nepali person? Namaste. If you're a Christian, uh, you, you say Jai Masi, which means praise to the Messiah. So we learned that if you're meeting Christian people, Jai Masi. If uh, it's in a different context, say Namaste. Just to know those sorts of things. And the, the last time we went out, uh, we, we had uh, a conference for some of their leaders in their outlying churches. The, the, the growth of the church in Nepal is absolutely phenomenal. It is the, the fastest growing church in the world. And it is, it's explosive. It's like Acts chapter 2. It's amazing. 
and they're all over Nepal. And, and one of the most humbling things, I, I just thought, yeah, yeah, we're having a conference. People will travel to get to the conference. People walked for five days to get to the conference. Unbelievable what, what people do to get teaching. And I thought, you've walked five days to listen to me. But one of one of the the um, one of our uh, modules we did was about marriage, and we quickly realised that our Western thinking on marriage is not the same as Nepali thinking on marriage. So we swiftly had to reappraise what we were teaching about marriage because so much of what we were teaching was based on a Western model. Um, arranged marriage still happens in Nepal, and Christians do not seem to have a problem with it. So we have to respect the cultural differences there. Yes, I think that's one of the things which is absolutely fascinating about cross-cultural partnerships because our own thinking about our faith is so heavily determined by our cultural expectations and norms and assumptions. And one of the lovely things is, is helping you to extract what is cultural and what is Christian. And your partners will have the same problem from their cultural perspective, what is cultural and what is Christian. But in that dialogue that we can share, you can actually come to a much more um, open-minded, I think, reading of, of, of what Scripture is saying. So it's not always with my coloured lenses of my culture or their coloured lenses of their culture. But in that interchange, we can find what is, what is Scripture really saying here. And that can be enormously helpful. Um, and, and we just have to go with that very open-to-learn attitude. Um, likewise, when, when, when we host our partners coming to visit us in our churches, there's things they'll be deeply shocked about that they see in churches like, you know, perhaps it's women wearing trousers in church. I mean, that can be profoundly shocking, but is it actually wrong? You know, there's those kind of questions. Um, one, I think one of the biggest issues that we as an agency grapple with is the issue of money. Because when you think of the inequality globally in terms of, uh, of money and mat material possession and things, it's huge. And there's often a huge inequality with our partners. And because often money equals power, it skews the relationship terribly. And so we really need to wrestle with the idea of what is a gift. If I give money to my partners, how much is it right for me to determine how that should be used? And I think that's where actually the element of having an agency involved can be really helpful. Um, and in terms of, of, of cultural preparation and training and all that sort of thing too. But, you know, is it right for me to say, well, I want to give money for this particular thing? Is that giving with strings attached or is that really free giving? Trusting my partners that they will set the priorities in terms of how that is used. And that, that's a huge issue, and I'm sure many of you who have been involved will, will sort of resonate with, with issues that have arisen around that. Um, but that is, that is a big area that's hard to handle. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, we can really assume we, we know what people need, but let them determine it for themselves. And just, uh, I've already said this, but I think there's a challenge whenever we're in partnership to um, be humble enough to be a receiver as well as a giver, whether that's money or whether it's um, prayer, you know, whether it's being open enough about the things that we're struggling with that they can encourage us, you know, and that takes a humility um, because we have for a long time, I think there's a cultural idea that we are the ones who will fix things, we'll come in and sort things out. So that's another challenge. Would anyone like to share something? Yep. 
Thank you so much. I'm just going to repeat a little bit of that for the recording. So, although not as well as what you've just said, but so you're reiterating the, the challenges around money and how we can impose our cultural standards, but also our legal standards and think that they must, that's biblical and that must be the way for uh, other parts of the world and how it's not always the case. So thank you so much. Does anyone else want to share anything? Yes, Tim. It's not quite going to stretch, okay? Oh, perfect. Hi. No, I would just want to reiterate just what you said about humility. I think that's massive. Um, and we see it in every strand of life. Unfortunately, the, obviously the, on the flip side of that being pride, mm-hmm. and unfortunately we're all flesh, you know, and we're, we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, but there's still a long way to go. Um, and, you know, pride is something that crops up time to time you see it and you see it in secular society in the workplace and so on but you also see it in the church you see it in mission agencies and sometimes you know people just you can become in a bit of a cocoon you focus on your own project or initiative or your own partnership and it's it's good to step back and it's good to work in partnership even just to to help to remind us that we are part of the the global church that we're all part of um, you know, we're all parts of the same body and um, we all have different roles and responsibilities and it's just recognising that, um, you know, it's not about any particular one church or any particular domination or any particular um, project that we're involved in or agency that um, we're all in this together and we all have a role to play. So what you said, Valve, about um, being of one heart and one mind and one spirit, I think is really important for, for and a good reminder for us all. The other thing I wanted to say about was honesty. I think honesty is really important as well and being upfront from the offset. Sometimes it's good to respect one another, but we nearly go too much sometimes and we're nearly scared to be upfront and honest and we're we're you know, walking on eggshells sometimes and no one wants to, you know, say I, th- I think when it comes to sending teams and sending people, you know, and long-term sending especially, you know, when a church is, as you said, about the responsibility of being with the church, you know, there's many different organizations and people involved. There's the individuals going, there's the sending church, there's the agency, there's the receiving church, maybe a receiving agency involved there as well. So I think it's important. Sometimes, you know, those conversations don't happen and nobody really thinks get missed because nobody's really understanding who's responsible for what so I think it's good at, at the offset just to be upfront and honest and sort of clarify okay who's responsible for pastoral care who's responsible for financial oversight and things like that and as, as churches I think we have perhaps a, a long way to go with that as well and um, you know there, there's really an importance there of partnership working between churches and agencies and the individual and the receiving churches as well just so that everybody's working together to make sure that the things are being managed effectively I suppose. That's great thank you for um, for adding that in I really appreciate that so there's that idea of setting expectations from the get-go and being open and honest about those things so we have we've thought through a lot our time is um, swiftly coming uh, towards a close um, at 12.45 so we're just going to have a little think about some practical steps but um, as well as that if you have any questions do um, we'll we'll take those at the end Um, so we've thought about we've looked at Philippians and what that can show us about um, partnership 
partnership. We've looked at different models. We've thought about healthy partnership and, and the benefits for our for us and for our congregations. Um, and we've also thought a little bit about challenges. So what are the practical next steps? Oh, they're not there. I'll just have to say them. Um, so... Uh, well, one of the things I do think is you could use the worksheet, something like that. I know that you have a longer version of that so that people can work through. If you are trying to take your uh, church on a journey or your home group or whatever it is, there's something, there's a practical tool there that you can use. Um, Jenny has uh, a good, a great tool that she has uh, got brought for you, which um, do you tell us about? It would be great. Yes, one of the things we use um, when we're talking with churches about the partnership links that they have is what we call a partnership audit. So I have a sheet here, and you're welcome to, to go with one. And it's just a number of questions about the way the partnership is working to help you think through that um, and identify some of the aspects of that. And then it ends up with a little bit about you know trying to draw a diagram, a bit like this flannel graph one, of how you see your church in partnership, where's the, you know, the main direction of a flow of perhaps resource or prayer or support or visits um, and if there's an agency involved where that sits in the, in the whole thing. So I would just hand those round and you can go away with that and, and use that as a tool uh, for yourself just to kind of try and analyse it a little bit more. And you may find that there's different agencies and different partnerships you're involved in in any one church, of course. It's not going to be exclusive. Many churches have many partnerships and you could do a similar sheet for each of the different ones. And it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it is a way of trying to say, well, you know, where, where could we make this more positive for all of us? More mutually learning, more mutually supportive. Thank you. Um, there's a book that we would recommend, uh, which is by Brian Nell. Oh, Tim, you'll know about this one. Um, the Heart of Church and Mission. That's what it's called. The Heart of Church and Mission by Brian Nell. And we did try and get it um, into the bookshop, but they weren't able to get it. So um, but you can find it on Amazon. And it brings some of the some of the similar thoughts that we have brought, um, but, but also uh, some more challenges and things to think about as churches. Um, and of course, uh, do use us as a resource. We're here after the seminar and will be by our various stands and things too. Um, does anybody have any questions that you'd like to ask the panel before we finish? Yeah, sure. Hello. Um, this has all been brilliant, so thank you so much for sharing. Um, my question, I suppose, is definitely about partnership, but slightly skewed. So um, a bit more about either partnership. Let's, let's go from a church perspective. Um, as a church, either choosing who to partner with when they're competing um, interests or, or similar interests um, with different organizations or agencies um, and how you, how you manage those kind of competition um, with different organisations that are all doing really, really great things, um, but maybe similar things, mm -hmm. how to choose who to go with, um, and then how to handle that internal competition, but also supporting all prayerfully and equally, if yeah. that makes sense. Sure. All mission agencies are created equal, yes. of course. Um, Jenny, do you want to give a bit of insight into that, do you think? Give it a bit of a bash. Um, you've got to sense where the flows are. That's what we always feel. So if you've got a particular strength within your your particular church setup, and you feel, yeah, that sort of has a resonance with an issues-based 
link or yes we've got lots of people involved and we've got lots of people who want to go out and do stuff perhaps people within your own congregation you know who might step up you know maybe an organization like crosslinks might suit suit you well if you're actually thinking of people sending um so i think you have to sense where the flows are and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being involved with you know two three four different agencies but one thing I would say is that relationship is not something that you switch on and switch off. A friendship isn't like, you know, I'll become friends with Val and we'll be friends for three months and then we'll move on somewhere else. It, it's that long-term thing. And, and, and this is largely relational. We are relational within our own churches and we're relational within the body of Christ. And it's long-term committed relationship, long-term commitment to something, to another partner. So look for that sort of longer-term term thing. I think I would, I would, I would say that. But it... It has to be, you know, in prayer before the Lord, what is he guiding us towards here? And sensing where those interests and flows are, in a sense. Oh, thank you. Um, I think you've probably painted a picture of what a, church, what a lot of churches are like, I think, in Northern Ireland. Um, I think it's the reality of a lot of churches that um, they do spread themselves quite thin um, when it comes to their mission budget. And maybe in doing so, um, not to get negative, but then they're maybe not supporting anyone particularly well. Um, so I think sometimes within Crosslinks, we would do a thing called a mission consultation um, to help churches um, just to step back and take a breath and think about the different partnerships they currently have and maybe reevaluate and just think, um, are we really supporting all these in the biblical way that we've just let out? Because it's not possible. If you've got nine, ten different partnerships, some of them can be just writing a check at the end of the year, and that's not what the Bible, biblical model is of partnership. Like, hopefully today you realize how much deeper um, it really, really is. So I think it's just taking a hard look individually and as church at who and what we support, and it may, sadly, we can't support everything well. Um, and there's no one uh, model that fits every church, but maybe it's supporting one or two really well and biblically. Um, I think sometimes we find within Crosslinks, those are probably some of the better models of partnership. Um, yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm aware that there's applause and all kinds of things happening elsewhere. So, um, Bill, would you be happy to pray for us as we close? Father, thank you that you are a missional God. And thank you that you have called us to be your people wherever you may send us. We do thank you for uh, the many mission agencies that spread your gospel throughout the world. And I do pray and thank you uh, as we have thought this morning uh, of ways that we can increase global partnerships, work through mission agencies uh, to spread your gospel as you have called us to throughout the whole world. And I do pray that as we do that for each person gathered here today, that you would renew that vision you have set before us, that you would grant us uh, the gift of your Holy Spirit to, to do all those things you have called us to do that we might grow in confidence and grow in grace uh, to do what you've called us to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.